today, uh, as we are celebrating the Christmas season, and my sermon has been uh, about the light of the world, we've been talking about, um, you know, that the light is here. The light is here. The light of the world. Jesus claimed, and I want, I want to read it to you again. It's in the, actually, it's in the book of John. But Jesus claimed to be this light. And in John chapter 8, starting in verse 12, uh, Jesus actually spoke, and it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, I don't know about you, but I am a knucklehead, okay? And what does that mean? I'm a little thick, you know, headed. Uh, I have to be helped along the way. Uh, That is why I married uh, really, really young, because I don't think I could have uh, uh, done life on my own. I probably would have hurt myself, and I definitely would have gotten lost, right? I'd be out there somewhere. You would not know where Matthew Augusta was. Whatever happened to Matthew? And God obviously uh, sent me a light uh, in the form of my wife, Sheila, uh, who helps guide me because, like I said, I'm stubborn, right? I want to I kind of blaze my own trail, and I kind of want to go my own direction. And to be honest with you, I find most of the time that does not work. So uh, men, uh, especially married men, uh, that's what your wives are for, right? They're to help guide you so you don't hurt yourself and so you don't get lost, uh, but we're kind of talking, today I'm going to talk about the, the, the light, the stars specifically, that God sent to the wise men so that they could find Jesus and how kind of symbolic that is. But before I get into that, I want to share a personal story with you that's actually quite amazing. And in honor of my dad and uh, my mom visiting this morning, why don't you guys wave the Augustos right here, seniors. My parents... My parents who are here uh, visiting from uh, Henderson, Las Vegas, you know, uh, and uh, which is kind of crazy that my dad would move, you know, out to Las Vegas. Uh, but Henderson. Henderson, yeah, he hates it when I say Las Vegas, Henderson. So true story, okay, and it's and it's, the story involves my dad and it involves my mom, and uh, we had gone up to my uh, my grandfather's funeral up in a place that even if I told it to you, Doris, California. Anybody ever heard of Doris, California? Okay, you're right. One person, that's my aunt. One person, <laughs> one person, Doris, California is almost to, I mean, literally within minutes, you're at the Oregon border. Uh, and it's not even like off the five, it's actually off, uh, you know, another highway. Uh, and, and it's in the middle of nowhere. Why my grandparents chose Doris, California is beyond me. So anyways, we were up there, and um, he, he passed away in the winter. What month, Dad? January. Okay, so it's January. And it was snowing, all right? It was snowing. In fact, not only was it just snowing, I'm pretty sure it was a blizzard. Uh, because even uh, the funeral, it snowed on us, and... Um, even when we went out to the gravesite, uh, it was very quick because we were all cold, um, and uh, it, that's a whole nother story. Uh, but we had to travel home, so um, we're in uh, the minivan, and um, my dad likes to get an early, early start when when we drive home. And so we got up super early in the morning. It was probably like four, five o'clock. It was still dark, 
And remember, we're in Doris, okay? I just want to keep reminding you where we are. We're in Doris. And, you know, my dad realizes that we are low on fuel. So before we start, you know, driving all the way back to Southern California, we're going to stop and get some gas because we're almost on empty. So he pulls in. And, of course, because we're in Doris, California, there is no uh, attendant. Uh, they are not open. And we can't get gas um, and, they, uh, and, we, and we looked at the, the door, and it basically said it was going to be a couple hours. Like, it would be several hours. Well, we were already packed in the car. We were already set to go home, and we were already set to make the long trek. So my dad just says, you know what? We're just going to keep driving, and hopefully we'll make it to the next town uh, uh, to get some gas. So we start out, and it's snowing, okay? It is snowing. I don't mean like there's snow out. It is actually snowing. So one of the things you have to do to get from Doris back to the five, uh, the five highway is you have to go over the Shasta Pass. There's this pass that you, so you, you climb an elevation and you're basically, if anybody's familiar with the Shasta Mountain, you, you're up in that area. You're up in the Shasta Mountain. And, um, and we had to get up through there and come back down on the other side before we would ever make it to another town. So we start out. And it's snowing, and we realize that it's getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and we start that climb. And to be honest with you, it got to a point where it got so dark, and it, the visibility that my dad couldn't see, but like several feet in front of him, and it got so quiet in the car. <laughs> so quiet, and that is because we were all praying. So... The, the gas needle is on empty. It's on low. We are climbing up the Shasta Mountain, and we are in what could only be described as a blizzard and what's only getting worse. And I just remember thinking, this is it. This is where my life ends. This is what it all, all you know, comes to. I'm young. I'm a teenager. I'm not even married yet. You know, and this is it. This is where my life ends. So I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, I don't know how, but miraculously get us through this. And I just kept kind of praying that same prayer over, over and over. I didn't really have anything eloquent to say. So we're driving, and my dad is white-knuckling the steering wheel, and we are absolutely quiet in the car because he is creeping along, and to the point where my dad even said, I don't see the road. I can't see the road anymore. And remember, we're, we're now traveling up through mountains, which means that there could easily be, you know, a cliff. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, this was it. This was it. This was where the Augustos fell off the side of the cliff and were never to be seen again. Out of nowhere, and I mean out of nowhere, this giant semi-truck. My dad goes, there's a, there's a truck behind us. And just, I mean, this truck was lit up like a Christmas tree. No joke. And he, had, he was towing, and he had lights running all the way down it. Have you ever seen those trucks where it just seems like there's lights everywhere on them? And I don't mean actually like Christmas lights. I mean, they're just lit up. They've got the, their running lights all the way down. And, and, this, and he was hauling. You know, we were creeping. I don't know how fast we were going, Dad. 30 tops, maybe? Yeah, and, and he just came flying by us. But, and so, you know, he came, comes around us, and then he gets right in front of us and slows down enough that my dad says, I'm following him. 
Like, I don't know where this truck is going, but we are going to follow this truck. And literally, we sat on his tail, and we made it all the way through the pass and all the way back down. And, I mean, we could see perfectly. This guy was lighting up the entire area, and I'm thinking he was booking, too. I mean, snow just like this, and we were trailing behind him. So we, we realized that we're now uh, descending, and we were like, we're, we're going to make it. We're going to make it, and we start, we start talking a little, and there's a little bit of giggling, and there's a little bit of thank you, Jesus, and stuff like that. And my dad, you know, the needle has to have been all the way, you know, touching uh, the edge there. And so we realize we're descending, and there it is. You can see kind of off in the distance, there's the town. We made it up over, and there's the town. And we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We made it. We survived. And so my dad pulls in, and we're like, all right, everybody, roll down your windows, and, and, and we're going to uh, say thank you to the truck driver, and, and you know, everyone you know, kind of put your arms out and wave at him. And no joke, you can ask my parents because they're sitting here. We looked back. There was no truck. I'm not lying to you. We looked back. There's only one road. There was only one road from where we came, and there was only one road that kept on going, and we could see down it. We all looked. We could not see a truck. We could not find that truck. I mean, we were looking all the way down. So we thought, well, maybe he pulled off. And by the way, we're in another little town. There was nowhere else for this truck to go. He either would have pulled off with us, you know, or maybe pulled off, uh, you know, on the little restaurant across the street or something like that, or would have kept down the road or flipped a giant U-turn, which, you know, we would have saw that. And we still would have seen him, you know, going back up. But we, there was no truck. We made it. We made it. We were literally guided by what only we could think of as the truck driver angel, um, either that or it was Large Marge from uh, <laughs> Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, one, one of the two. I'm going with angel. I'm going with an angel. But it just reminded me, you guys, there's times in our life, there's times in our life where it gets bleak, there's times in our life where it gets dark, and there's times in our life where you really think, and I'm, I've felt this way several times in my life, that this is it. I cannot see yeah, you're running on empty, you're running in the dark, and literally you cannot see the road anymore. And this is what God does. This is what he does, and this is what he's been doing, is he sends help. He sends someone to guide the way. He did it for us that night, but he also did it 2,000 years ago. And that is why Jesus referred to himself as the light of the world. And that is why he is referred to as the light. And it's interesting that even his story involves light. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 2. And this story actually kind of takes place after Jesus' birth. And it's kind of one of those things that every time we do the, the nativity, we set up the, the, you know, the nativity and uh, we always put the shepherds out. And, and we always, uh, you know, Mary and, and Joseph and the baby. And we always throw in uh, uh, the, the wise men. And, and to be really honest, they probably didn't interact. The, the shepherds did not uh, go to Jesus during the same time that the wise men did. This, this could have happened actually uh, uh, sometime later. Um, but uh, Mary and Joseph were still living in Bethlehem. They were still, they just, you know, after birth and, you know, right, ladies? She had just traveled all that way pregnant. She is not going anywhere now, right? She probably looks at Joseph and says, we're staying here for a while. Right? We're staying here for a while. So Jesus is definitely still a baby, but it's, this, is de this does not take place during his birth. But it is still a very, very important story, and I'd like to read it to you. 
Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, it's interesting because it doesn't say three wise men. It just says some wise men. And and where do we get the number three? Well, we get the number three because obviously there were three gifts given to Jesus. We don't know that there was actually only three wise men. I I would imagine that there were at least an entourage uh, with each of these men because these were very, very wealthy, prominent men. And we're going to get to that. Verse three. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard of this as was uh, anyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked him, where is the Messiah supposed to be? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And by the way, this is from Micah. In Bethlehem uh, in Judea, uh, and you, verse 6, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Right? Verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And here's the other uh, note why we know that that this did not take place in the actual birth is because in verse 11 it says, They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Interesting story. And what makes this story so interesting is that we don't really know who these guys are, but what we do know is that they're not from around here, right? So this isn't something that is being manufactured by, you know, just a group of Jews and, you know, let's kind of tell this story because, you know, the, these, these wise men came, you know, from afar. They, they, they came, you know, and, and, you know, what does this mean? Why is this so significant? Well, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. First of all, who were the wise men? Who were they? We actually don't really know. Some scholars think they were Jews who remained in Babylon after the exile. So, so the Jews had been exiled you know, to Babylon, and, and, and uh, a lot of Jews returned to Jerusalem, but some Jews did stay in Babylon. So there were Jews kind of still scattered uh, amongst the known world at the time, and they think these could have been Jews who were waiting, right? Who, 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 had, been, who had been waiting for the Messiah to return, and they, they were going to go and they were going to worship him. Or were these Eastern astrologers who just knew Jewish prophecy? See, there were men at the time, and they, you know, they were astrologers. These, these would have been you know, wise men. These would have been men who were well-educated, and, and one of the ways they would have educated themselves was in astrology. 
and they probably would have looked into any known uh, writings at the time of any religion, and they probably were, there was something that just kept sticking out about, uh, you know, the Jewish religion and the Jewish culture, that there was this talk of a Messiah, and then there was this talk about, you know, that a star would appear and all these things, and there's something must have stuck out to them, and they, they believed it. They believed it so much that they went on this long trip. Were they men who had a special message from God? Many believe that, the, that these wise men basically represent the known world at the time. They represent kind of all nations coming and literally bowing down and worshiping God. That, that you know, as even as it says in the New Testament, that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. That this was almost a representation and this was almost a foreshadowing of literally every nation coming and acknowledging that this is the Messiah, that this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's really, you guys, it's really not important who they were. It's important, what's important is who they were coming to see, who they were coming to worship, who they were looking for. So what's important about the star? Well, the star did some things for them, right? Like I told you, we, we need help. We are, in fact, the Bible refers to us as sheep, right? And I don't know if you guys know this, but sheep are dumb. And we are referred to as sheep. Now, I don't know about you, but I can relate, right? I can relate. I need help, like I told you before. I need guidance. I need people to tell me where to go, you know? And, and it's a common argument, you know, when my wife and I are going on a trip, and especially when we're going uh, somewhere new, uh, that, you know, she knows the right way, uh, but I have, you know, my own ways. Now, I, I will admit, usually my wife's way is quicker, but my ways are way more scenic. <laughs> way more scenic. You're going to see a lot more, and you're going to take a lot more in driving with me uh, than with my wife. But we always get there, and that's what's most important. But the star alerted them, you guys. The star was something that alerted to them that the Messiah is here. And you know what? It's like that morning wake-up call. It's like the alarm going off. This is it, you guys. This is the time. You know, wake up. This is, you know, the Messiah is here. God is always trying to get our attention. Can anybody relate to that? Because I can. God is always trying to get our attention. Why do you think that you know, the Christmas season is just so filled with, you know, people either singing these songs or, or talking about him. I, I can't imagine a person going through the whole Christmas season and not hearing the, the, the gospel message, not hearing. I mean, even, I don't know how many of you knew that even Disneyland puts on a, a, a show and it's called a candlelight service. Did you guys know this, that Disneyland does this? Disneyland actually puts on what's called a candlelight service, and it's amazing. We went one year, and um, li literally they do kind of like what we just did. They, they sing these, these you know, old you know, uh, carols, these old Christmas carols, and they, they, they literally put the, the story of Jesus' birth, they, someone gets up and reads. And it's beautiful, and it's amazing that I, we, we got to sit down and watch it, but there's thousands of people just walking around, coming in and out of Disneyland. They're hearing it. 
They're hearing, you guys, God is always trying to get our attention. God is, you know, I used to think when I was a kid that that God didn't care, that he was just kind of up there in the clouds, and he kind of had his own things to worry about, that he didn't really, wasn't really concerned with me, and that is not the truth. He is so concerned with you, he he so loves you, he's so, you know, concerned about what you're going through that he's constantly trying to get our attention, and we see it even in the star. And Jesus, you guys, as we know, is, is this guiding light in our lives. Numbers 24, 17, again, we see this outsider speaking. He literally prophesies. I don't know if you guys remember Balaam, right? The story of Balaam and the donkey, right? By the way, Balaam was not, uh, uh, he was not a Jew. Balaam was not a God-fearing man. Balaam was actually kind of a, a, a sorcerer. He was, he was someone they would call on and he would you know, if kings, you know, were going to go to war and whatever king could pay Balaam the most money, you know, he would go and he would curse, you know, the other. So ba- that's exactly what happens. They, 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 there's these people that don't like the, the Hebrews and they actually get a hold of Balaam. But Balaam comes and God speaks to him. God speaks to Balaam and he realizes that God's hand is all over this group. I can't curse them. And he actually prophesies and says this way back. And he says this. I see him, but not here now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. It will crush the foreheads of Moab's people, cracking the skulls of the people of Sheth. Now, obviously, those were modern time people, but he was prophesying. He said, a light will come. A light will rise out of Jacob. And we know who this light is. We know this light is Jesus, is the Messiah. Again, you know, if we can, you know, take the same theme of the wise men, of these guys weren't necessarily Jews, or we don't know that they were Jews, or we're not sure that they were kind of outsiders. Here's another outsider, another kind of unbeliever saying, no, these are God's people. In fact, there's going to be one that's going to come and rise up, and he's going to lead those people. The star not only alerted them, but the star also guided them, right? The star guides. God doesn't just alert us, but then God wants to have this close relationship. You know, even going back to, you know, my story and and when we drove through, you know, the Shasta Mountains, you know, God was with us. God was with us. Now, whether you want to, you know, say that, that it was even in the form of a truck and a truck driver and, you know, all this kind of stuff, but that's the thing, you guys. God doesn't just, you know, alert us to things, or God isn't just this distant God who's kind of keeps tabs on you every so often and gets reports back from angels and stuff like that. God wants to be intimate with you. He he wants to know every detail of your life. He wants to be involved. He wants to be with you. And I and I've quoted I quote this scripture over and over again only because it is something so real to me now that that wasn't necessarily, you know, super real to me when I was younger, but but when when David when he's when he's uh, you know, the when he's talking about, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And that's even what, you know, Jesus means when they said he is Emmanuel. What what does that mean? It means God with us. If we could understand this concept that God doesn't just want to be this kind of, you know, Lord over you. He wants to be with you. It's much more than that. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to walk with you through the dark and trying times. 
because he knows you're going to go through them. It's the star that guided us. God always provides a way. Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You guys, it is Jesus who has provided this way. It is Jesus who has gone and who has made that, you know, the road that we could not see, that Jesus has come and he has paved that way back to God, back to him. The star also, it says, filled them with joy. We have to understand, you guys, that God is the source of joy. I talked several weeks about the the joy of our salvation, going back to David. David, in one of the lowest moments of his life, in fact, it was he had caused this upon himself, the tragedy that was befalling David, it was something he caused himself, and he laments and he cries out to God and he says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Restore it unto me, uh, that joy, and by the way, joy is not happy. David wasn't saying, make me happy. But there's something that goes even deeper than happiness, even deeper than the feeling of just feeling good. It's called joy, and it's something that is sustainable. It is something that you will experience even in the darkest times of your life. Because what will you understand is that no matter how bad your life is right now, that you have salvation, that you are ultimately saved, and that you ultimately will be reunited with your Father in heaven That is joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast, rich foods and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Listen, I... I don't know what the holidays bring for you. For, for some people, the holidays are tough. The holidays stir up tough memories. They, 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 they stir up, you know, they, we, we sometimes we even have to get together with people that we were kind of, you know, glad that we only hit, comes around once a year type of thing. I don't know where you come. By the way, that's not my parents. I love them dearly. I'm so happy that they're with me. So, but right, it can stir up emotions. How many of you have ever felt anxiety going to a Christmas party of some family and you're like, I don't know that I really want to be with these people, right? But what Nehemiah is saying is he's saying, listen, look past that. Look beyond that. Are there going to be difficult situations in your life? Yes. Yeah, so Christmas isn't always going to be um, easy, right? Christmas is always going to be uh, cheerful, but it can be joyful. Because if we really think what Christmas is truly about, if we really understand what it is that brings us joy and it's salvation, then guess what? We can put up with some, you know, some people for a few hours, right? We can put up with, you know, whatever it is. We can get through whatever it is that, that, that this holiday season may bring. The life of Jesus and the good news of his salvation is what should give us joy, you guys. It's what should be feeding us our joy, especially in this season. Now, when they saw the light, they bowed down and they worshiped him. You guys, all God wants, all God wants is relationship with you. All God wants, he, he you know, come to me, all you who are weary and, and, and heavy burden, and what? And I 
will give you rest. Come to me. Uh, you know, when we come and we worship him, you know, we think it's all about us getting into this, you know, particular place and preparing ourselves. And, and, and God just says, come to me. Worship me. Come and bow down at my feet because really it's, it's so much more to that. When, you know, when we worship, worship is saying, you are God and I am not. Worship is saying, you are in control and I am not. Worship is saying it's about you and it's not about me. But what happens when we worship God is actually so much more. When we empty of ourselves to God, God actually fills, him, fills us up with himself. Do you understand? See, we have to let go of things for, for God to be able to, to fill us with him. We got to get rid of things that are, that are causing the division, that are causing these, you know, why do I feel so distant from God? Well, maybe it's you. Right? You know, and that was me. I would feel, oh, God, you feel so distant. But I was the one walking away from him. I was the one that when he would offer help, that I would slap his hand away. I was the one who said, oh, God, I'm not worthy, and I'm not this, and I'm not that. And God said, stop it, Matthew. Yes, you're not worthy. I am. I am worthy, and I am who makes you worthy. So stop it. God wants a close, personal relationship with you and we need to come and it starts by worshiping him it starts by acknowledging that you are God and I am not and then when they saw the light this is my last point when they saw the light they gave him gifts when they saw the light they gave him the gold gold represented royalty they were already acknowledging that Jesus was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Frankincense, frankincense is a high quality incense. It's, it's something that, that would have been burned in, in you know, ceremonies or times of worship or, or things like that. It's a sweet fragrance it, and it represents his deity. They were, in bringing him frankincense, they were acknowledging that he was God. They were acknowledging it. I don't, we don't know who these guys are, but they knew that he was God, that not only is he the king of kings, but they're saying you are also the Lord of lords. You are God. And myrrh was a spice used to anoint a body for burial, an odd present to give a baby, right? An odd present, you know. I mean, and by the way, we all have those family members that give us odd presents, right? Anybody have that one, you know, grandma? who got one great-grandma or someone like that, that, you know, I got, um, I'm going to tell you a time that I got a, an, an interesting gift from my grandmother. I got silk boxers for my grandmother one year. <laughs> she got them to all, my cousin's not here, but he, she got them to, for all of us. Uh, and, and guess what? She wanted to see us all in them. <laughs> she go put them on. I want to see. And I, well, wow. You know, so here we all in our silk box. I mean, so there's always that one, you know, grandma that just seems to give the gift that doesn't make sense and, and things like that. But myrrh, myrrh, even though it might not have made sense, it was, again, it was, it was very prophetic. We were understanding that Jesus was going to die for us, for our sins, that there was a purpose for Jesus coming to this earth. And really, when you guys think about it, it is one of the most beautiful things, the one of the most amazing stories that God himself would come down to earth and live amongst this, right? In this chaotic, dark, 
dirty, kind of messed up world that God himself would want to come down and be a part of that? Yes. Why? Because he wanted to be with you. Because he wanted to save you. Because he wants relationship with you. And what's interesting, he doesn't doesn't ask much, much from us. He doesn't ask much from us back except just our lives. Just our relationship. The only thing that God wants from us is us, right? That's all he wants. And God wants to use the gifts that he gave us to be a blessing to others. It's kind of cool. It doesn't just end there. It doesn't just end with this relationship between us and, and, and God, that it goes further than that, that God now wants you to be a blessing to others. God wants to bless you. He wants to save you so that you can go and help you know, and I, 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 another thing I say over and over and over again, because it's such a perfect picture, you know, when you get into an airplane and, and they're giving you the, you know, you know the, the how-to if something bad happens and, you know, read the pamphlet and stuff like that. But when, you know, if we happen to lose cabin pressure, you know, this thing's going to drop down in front of you. What do they tell you to do? Put on your own oxygen mask first. Why? Because you are no good if you're passed out. Put on your own oxygen mask and then turn to the person next to you and help them get theirs on. You guys, that is the picture of Christianity. We need to put on our own oxygen mask. We need to come before the Lord, the Lord and say, you know, God, heal me of all my issues. Heal me and, and, and help me, Lord God, be more like you so that we can turn and help a world that is so desperate so that we, like the Bible says, then we become the light of the world, right? Shining God's light. We become the light of the world like a city, set on a hill that cannot be hidden. See, it doesn't just stop there. That's what's so beautiful about the story is you, you are part of it. You are part of it. And God showed us his true love. And how we can show true love is by giving, giving up our time, our touch, our talents, by giving it away. Guys, that, that's why we give away presents. It's interesting, you know, when you become a parent, the, the presents that come to me become less and less and less. And the presents that I give out become more and more and more. I have two daughters. And boy, the Christmas tree is going to be packed, right? And, and to be honest with you, I get, we, my wife and I kind of get to this age that we really don't, we're not concerned about what we get anymore, right? Because that's what happens when you mature, and that's what happens when you grow. It's not about the the getting of gifts. It's about the giving it away. That when we receive the good gift of Jesus Christ, it's not just about holding on to it. It's also about giving it away and sharing it with others. Here it is. Here it is. My final statement. The good news is, once we were lost in the dark because of sin, God sent the light into the world. Jesus, so we would not only recognize our sin, but be saved from it. Sin is what separates us from God and keeps us in darkness, and God has provided a way out and a Savior who will, who will uh, bring us back to our Creator and the source of light. Amen? That is what Christmas is all about.
That is what is so significant about Jesus being the light of the world. That is what is so significant about the star that guides us. Because you know what? It's still guiding us today. It's still guiding us. It might not be this necessarily bright physical star in the sky, but it is the light of the world. And it is something that we can be a part of. And it is something that you can be a part of. Will you guys pray with me? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you loved us so much that you were not going to let us be separated from you. That you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, into this world to bring light into the darkness, to light up our lives, to show us the way to guide us back to you so that we would not be wandering and stumbling around in darkness anymore. Jesus, thank you for being that light. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you for taking my sins upon yourself. Jesus, we believe in you. And Jesus, we will forever follow you. And we will forever let our light shine so that others would come and follow as well. This is a free gift that was given to you. And I want to ask you this question. If you have never, ever received it, if you have never, ever said, you know what? Yes, I received the gift of Jesus Christ. I received his forgiveness. Or you know what? Maybe you have before, but... You said, you know what, Pastor Matthew, I'm going to be honest. I kind of forgot a little. I kind of wandered a little. I kind of got lost a little. That light will also bring you back, that leads you back. That light that pursues you, that is never, ever going to let you go. So whether this be your first time or whether it's just, you know what, I'm just going to, this new season of my life and this holiday season as we celebrate the gift of Jesus, you know what, I just want to rededicate my life and say, you know what, God, I'm all yours. I am all yours. If that's you, if one of those two scenarios is you, we just simply lift your hand so that I can see it, so that I can be encouraging you, praying for you. The Bible says this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Then you will be saved. That's it. That's all. So, Father God, I thank you for every single person here. May we understand that it doesn't end when church service ends. In fact, it begins. Let us take your light out from here. Let us take your joy out from here. Let us take the story of your salvation out from here into the whole world as you did 2,000 years ago. That wise men still seek him, as they say. So, Lord, I just pray a special blessing upon every single home. I want to pray for the homes. 
that may not be so peaceful right now. I want you to know I've been there. I want you to know I understand. I want you to know that sometimes everything didn't look great in my life. But if there is one thing that was always consistent, it was God's love for me. And he has gotten me through it. I just want to speak healing to whatever situation you are going through right now. Whatever anxiety that, that the season brings into your life, I speak healing to that. Whatever conflict is going on between family, I speak healing to that right now in Jesus' name. In fact, I even pray that you, you would be the agent of change that you would be that light maybe in that situation in your family. Don't give up. God has heard your prayer. Don't give up. Lord, you love us. You promise never to leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, just as you always have, be in our midst, in our presence this holiday season, this Christmas season. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.